It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello, everybody in the audience. Welcome to the program. Over the last few episodes, I have discussed the present-day aberrant religions of Christian liberalism and progressive Christianity. Christian liberalism illegitimately changed the gospel that Jesus preached. Incorporating their ideas of the Enlightenment and secular culture, their proclamation lost the historical focus on the transcendence of God, on Jesus as the divine Son of God, on the Bible as the Word of God, and the miracles of Jesus were completely discounted. Both these aberrant religions corrupt and dilute historical Christianity. Both are heretical in their claim that they are a subset of the Christian faith. Christian liberalism is the older of the two, so progressives adopt much of the Christian liberalism's views. Both question key historical Christian doctrines. Both adopt a naturalist framework which denies miracles, and in particular, the resurrection of Jesus. This leads them to denying that Jesus is the Son of God. Both religions use Christian terms with totally different meanings to camouflage their intentional distortions of truth. This process of redefinition makes them both dangerous and destructive. What they teach as religious truths actually are instances of apostasy from the historical truth of Christianity. I fear what they teach will contribute more to the degradation of our society and lead to more criminal activity, corruption of justice, and inversion of morality. Our culture is already like the spiritual condition the prophet Isaiah wrote about, saying, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, as found in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Remember that one of the founders of progressive Christianity, Brian McLaren, adopted his seventh Jesus that came from the nonviolent liberation theology. This is a theology that regurgitates Marxism's ideology to all who will listen. It doesn't take much mental acumen to realize that socialism's goal is communism and also that Marxism is the philosophical foundation of all communist regimes. But many close their mind to the history of communist regimes that is fraught with negative consequences. 
For example, the communist regimes of Joseph Stalin in Russia and Chairman Mao in China caused over 200 million deaths of their countrymen in the 20th century and the loss of individual freedoms in their respective countries. That surely is evidence against their ideology and should cause you some serious hesitation about swallowing their enslaving line. It has become increasingly important for us to distinguish the true from the false. I believe these two false religions operate under the spirit of Antichrist. In Greek, anti has two meanings. First, it means against. Second, in place of. There are three uses of the word Antichrist. First, there is the Antichrist who will appear at the end of the age. Second, there are many Antichrists operating in the world since New Testament times. Third, there is the spirit of Antichrist. This is all described in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 23, and in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. The Antichrist is a person that is against Christ and wants to take his place. The spirit of Antichrist has three characteristics. First, the spirit of Antichrist starts in Christendom, the church, the body of Christ, but went out from us. Second, the spirit of Antichrist denies Jesus' claim to be the Messiah. And third, it does not accept that Jesus is the Son of God. If you want more information about these aberrant religions, I suggest you read the book The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity by Michael Kruger and A Toxic New Religion, Understanding the Postmodern Neo-Marxist Faith that Seeks to Destroy the Judeo-Christian Culture of the West by Scott D. Allen and Darrow L. Miller with Dan Guthrie. Allow me to turn our focus to another topic of discussion, namely religion in America. Statistics from the Pew Research Center in 2021 reveal a decrease in church membership and active participation in the church. This decline can be attributed in large part to the increasing number of, of Americans who are identified as quotes, religious nuns, end quote, people who express no interest in organized religion. Currently, over 25% of Americans now identify themselves as nuns, while professing Christians constitute 63%, down from 75% only a decade ago. Many Americans would say the fate of the church is inconsequential to them. Others want very much to see the church continue to shrink. I believe both attitudes are mistaken. This prompts the question, what might be influencing individuals to reject Christianity or to leave the church and be content to be labeled as nuns. 
My first response to this question is that the American situation and in the West is totally contrary to what is going on elsewhere in the world. In the book, How to Talk with Skeptics, the author Sam Chan says, quotes, right now, secularism is declining all over the world. Christianity is the fastest growing religion. Millions and millions of people, especially in the majority world, Africa, Asia, and Latin America, are choosing to love, worship, and follow Jesus. So what are they seeing in Jesus that we in America or the West are missing? So I would suggest to my non-believing friends in the West that maybe it's time that we rediscover the Jesus of the Bible. Let's go to the Bible and discover the Jesus that the rest of the world is coming to know. And if we have problems with the Bible, maybe they are our Western cultural objections, which the rest of the world just doesn't have. And if we think Christianity is a tool of oppression, that is also probably only of our Western presuppositions, because the rest of the world is discovering a freedom that comes from knowing the Jesus of the Bible. Allow me to quibble a bit with Chan saying that Christianity is a tool of oppression, is a Western presupposition. Normally, oppression is a Marxist catchphrase, and the West is not Marxist. I do believe the Christian church in America is suffering from a bout of schizophrenia. First, it is losing its youth. When young people leave home, they often leave behind their Christian upbringing as well. In the past, many returned to Christianity after they married and had children. But today, a growing number are staying away for good. The renowned Christian researcher George Barna, in a 2011 survey, cited David Kinnaman, who said, quote, young people are dropping out earlier, staying away longer, and if they come back, are less likely to see the church as a long-term part of their life, end quote. Surveys now show that 80% of those raised in the church in the 18 to 29 age range are leaving the church. Those youths that have left the church claim they had questions that started when they were about 12, but in the later years, they never got answers to their questions at the church. Second, the Cultural Research Center, CRC for short, led by Barna in 2022, revealed nine out of ten parents surveyed had a muddled worldview, and that 67% of preteen parents claimed to be Christian. However, the big shock was that only 2% of all preteen parents actually possessed a biblical worldview. Thus, if the adults don't live by a biblical worldview, how can they exhibit the true faith to their children? What is the conclusion? 
It's clear that we have to stop the bleeding as soon as possible. But we can't solve a problem if we are not even aware of the problem to begin with. We all need uh, to become more solid in our understanding of the biblical worldview. And you can't be solid in your worldview if you're shaky about the Bible. The foundation from the Bible has to be the navigational guide through this turbulent culture and its competing philosophical isms. The Apostle Peter conveyed this most beautifully in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter said, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and goodness. End quotes. And Paul confirms that God's word is indeed solid in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through and 17. Paul said, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Barna's research focused on parents with preteen children. This parental group is the generational category called millennials, with an age range of 26 to 41 years old. And according to Barna's research, the younger the parent, the less likely they are to have a biblical worldview. To break this generational cycle, children need to understand and trust what the Bible says from an early age. Failing to do so puts our children at a spiritual disadvantage and leaves them vulnerable to competing ideologies. And to those youth who have questions and some real doubts about the Christian faith, I encourage them to take on some of the responsibility to themselves and start on a quest of finding answers to their questions and doubts. Why do I suggest this be the plan? Well, because if you do the opposite and you bottle up your concerns in the hopes they will eventually go away, then the doubts will only fester and infect your entire spiritual life, and things will not get any better. Let me urge you to follow the wisdom of Scripture. Jesus said, Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. This echoes a principle in the Old Testament. You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. You might begin by asking your church to start a class that addresses answering objections and questions about the Christian faith. I will return to this in the next episode. In the meantime, I encourage you to exercise daily. Walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, 
Doug Apple at Wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.